thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. And before we begin today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Last weekend, the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, Incorporated, SFWA, announced the winners of the 57th Annual Nebula Awards during a virtual ceremony streamed live as part of the 2022 Nebula Conference Online. The award recognizes excellent works of science fiction and fantasy, which were published in 2021. Winners in each category were determined by the vote of full, active, and senior members of SFWA. The ceremony was hosted by Toastmasters Connie Willis and Neil Gaiman. Presenters joined virtually from around the country, including many past Nebula Award winners. The complete list of honorees may be found on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page. A group of quality assurance employees at Raven Software, a gaming studio owned by Activision Blizzard that works on the company's popular Call of Duty game series, voted on Monday to form a union they are calling the Game Workers Alliance. The vote marks the company's first union and the video game industry's most high-profile, successful organizing effort. The union will represent 28 workers, 19 of whom voted in favor of unionizing. The unionization vote follows months of tensions between Raven and Activision Blizzard over recent layoffs. Members of the Alliance said in a statement, Our biggest hope is that our union serves as inspiration for the growing movement of workers organizing at video game studios to create better games and build workplaces that reflect our values and empower all of us. We look forward to working with management to positively shape our working conditions and the future of Activision Blizzard through a strong union contract. New trailers dropped this week for 3,000 Years of Longing, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Thor Love and Thunder, and Star Wars Andor. You can view the trailers on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. 3,000 Years of Longing, starring Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, is scheduled for theatrical release this summer. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 opens July 2023. Thor Love and Thunder opens in theaters July 8th and Star Wars Andor debuts August 31st on Disney+. Boeing Starliner capsule landed at White Sands Space Harbor, part of the U.S. Army's White Sands Missile Range, WSRM, in New Mexico on Wednesday. The landing marked the successful completion of the craft's Orbital Test Flight 2. 
The capsule touched down just 0.3 miles or 0.5 kilometers as you prefer from its target landing point. Steve Stitch, manager of NASA's commercial crew program, described the landing as picture perfect during Wednesday night's briefing, saying that the test flight accomplished all of its mission objectives. The success was hard won and long delayed. The first OFT, which launched in December 2019, ended prematurely when Starliner suffered software glitches that prevented it from meeting up with the International Space Station. The makeup flight, OFT-2, was originally supposed to launch last summer, but issues with stuck valves in Starliner's propulsion system grounded the vehicle just hours before liftoff. After an eight-month delay, OFT-2 finally got off the ground last Thursday. Although there were a few minor glitches, OFT-2 went smoothly from start to finish as system backups functioned as designed. Next up is Starliner's Crew Test Mission 1, the first planned flight of the spacecraft with astronauts aboard. While there is no clear timeline for Starliner's first crewed mission, NASA and Boeing representatives have said that they're eyeing late 2022 as a potential target. Some anniversaries this week as Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope, opened in theaters 45 years ago on May 25, 1977. And Dracula, the novel by Bram Stoker, was originally published 125 years ago on May 26, 1897. A live-action Speed Racer show has received a series order from Apple TV. Ron Fitzgerald and Hiram Martinez are attached to write and executive produce, in addition to serving as co-showrunners. J.J. Abrams will also be an executive producer on the project under the Bad Robot banner. First look pictures of Zolo Maraduena in the Blue Beetle suit leaked earlier this week. You can view the pictures on one of the aforementioned Fantastic Forum social media pages. Originally intended as an HBO Max streaming film, Blue Beetle is now slated for a theatrical release on August 18, 2023. And if you happen to be in the listening area, you might check out Balticon 56 this weekend at the Renaissance Baltimore Harbor Place Hotel, the science fiction and fantasy convention runs through Monday, May 30th. More information is available via the website at balticon.org. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness repeated as the number one movie at last weekend's domestic box office, earning $32.3 million. In its first 22 days in release, the film has earned over $354 million domestically. Worldwide, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has taken in over $816 million. The film will be hard-pressed to retain that spot this weekend with the opening of Top Gun Maverick, which earned $51.8 million in its opening day, including Thursday previews. The sequel to the popular 1986 movie is projected to grow somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 million this Memorial Day weekend, making it the first 100 million dollar opening weekend for star Tom Cruise. On today's show, we're talking about some of the news items on which I reported and more. But first, 
Here is the official, spoiler-free FF review of Top Gun Maverick. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Top Gun Maverick is the sequel to the 1986 blockbuster starring Tom Cruise. Top Gun, more than even risky business, is the film that propelled him to stardom. And after seeing this movie, audiences will surely regret that it has taken 36 years before the release of a sequel. In many ways, Top Gun encapsulated the 80s. It also provided a significant boost for U.S. Navy recruitment. The soundtrack featured some of the hottest artists and remains one of the best-selling of all time. And yet, after having seen Top Gun Maverick, I'm glad there was so much time between films. A sequel released in, say, 1988 or 89 would have been a much different movie. Top Gun Maverick finds Pete Mitchell still in the Navy. He is a seasoned officer, a test pilot for a high-altitude hypersonic craft. But he didn't have the career one might have expected. True to his call sign, Maverick never learned to conform to certain military norms. While he remains one of the most skilled naval aviators in service, his individualism and unorthodox nature have thwarted his ascension to flag rank. It is only his friendship with Iceman, now Fleet Admiral, that has prevented him from being bounced out of the Navy. And Maverick still carries the sting of losing his radar intercept officer and best friend, Goose, in a tragic accident. Following a mishap during the test flight of the suborbital hypersonic plane, Maverick is transferred back to Top Gun for a special mission. He is assigned to train a group of young, hotshot pilots for a dangerous mission behind the lines of a rogue state. One of those pilots is Goose's son. While at Top Gun, Maverick has a chance run-in with an old fling, Penny Benjamin. Benjamin is the daughter of an admiral, and their relationship caused trouble for him earlier in his career. Can Maverick successfully train the young hotshots for a mission in which not all are expected to safely return? Can he protect Goose's son without causing the young man to resent him? And will he take a second chance with Penny Benjamin to bring love to his solitary existence? Despite its appearance as an action movie, Top Gun Maverick has more going for it. The time between films allows for the lead to have developed given his age and experience. And the audience benefits from being able to compare and contrast young Maverick with this older, more mature version. One of the more interesting elements to that characterization is that older Pete Mitchell, if not wiser, is more self-aware. In some fundamental ways, he hasn't changed, but he understands his shortcomings and has compensated for many of them. The screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie further develops the character and offers Maverick a chance for redemption in a way Top Gun couldn't. Tom Cruise is a wonderful actor who offers up a nuanced performance. Jennifer Connelly is a nice addition to the cast. Connelly's character is legacy by benefit of having been mentioned in the original. The fact that she has history with Maverick is vital to the story. And although her character is there only to support the male lead, Connelly is an outstanding actress who shines with what the writers give her. Miles Teller plays Goose's son, Bradley, call sign Rooster. Teller has impressed me with his most recent performances, and he too stands out in what could have been a two-dimensional role. Top Gun Maverick also stars John Hamm, Ed Harris, 
Charles Parnell, Monica Barbaro, Glenn Powell, Lewis Pullman, Jay Ellis, Danny Ramirez, Greg Tarzan Davis, and Bashir Salahuddin. Val Kilmer appears in a brief cameo. While few films can boast the robust soundtrack of the original, Top Gun Maverick won't disappoint you. Some of the original music is recycled, and Lady Gaga and One Republic have cuts. And once stuff starts exploding, you're not going to be paying attention to the score anyway. I really enjoyed this movie. It lost some credibility towards the end, but if you're going to see Top Gun Maverick, you're probably not looking for realism. And this film hits all the marks for nostalgia, as well as action and romance. It's a brisk 2 hours and 11 minutes, and is rated PG-13 for sequences of intense action and some strong language. As with the original, it's not a movie for kids. There isn't any nudity, but it deals with mostly mature themes, and I think children would be bored by most of it. Bottom line is, if you like Top Gun, you'll love Top Gun Maverick. Two and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Four. And there you have it, the official FF review of Top Gun Maverick, starring Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, and Miles Teller, which opened in theaters nationwide yesterday. Time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Drew Bittner, Camille Richardson, and Mike Lunsford. Hey. Everybody, welcome to the show. Hey Hello. there, thank you. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to have all of you. Thank you so much for having come back. And, uh, of course, we are, um, well, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, 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 I know what I want to talk about today, but I'm just so accustomed to uh, kind of following up on the review because, um, you know, at first it was... Doctor Strange, and then last week was the first time I had played the Top Gun review, and we didn't talk about it at all. I mean, even though, you know, it's like action movie and all that. Uh, I was a little surprised to learn that Tom Cruise has never had a $100 million opening weekend for any of his films. Apparently, the closest one that we have had so far was... War of the Worlds, and apparently the opening on that was $65 million. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? It is. I mean, for all that he's had these big blockbuster movies, you would have assumed that at least one would have cracked, you know, You would have figured million. one of those Mission Impossible movies yeah. would have cracked $100 million. Yeah. But no, apparently not. Huh. So, but this one is sure to deliver. And I, I, I think I had said I, my expectations going in for that movie were extremely low, but I thought it was really fun and I enjoyed it. And, and particularly as a legacy picture, I thought that it had a great deal of merit. So you know, if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, might be something to see. So in any case, a lot of stuff happening this week. Of course, uh, even as we speak, uh, big convention going on, and no, I'm not talking about Balticon, even though that's close. <laughs> no, a Star Wars celebration out west, and uh, Camille, you had been talking about some of the news to come out of Star Wars <laughs> celebration. Just dropped. Yeah. Oh, what more stuff? Yeah. Breaking news, folks. <laughs> Breaking news, 100. Uh, well, tell the, us what the Ahsoka trailer, the teaser trailer has been leaked. Uh, it looks like you can find it pretty easily on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we've got confirmation that Harrison Dula, Sabine Wren, and Chopper will be appearing in the show as well. Hmm. Live action of versions of these cartoon characters. Yeah. Big news. Yeah. No, oh, Mike, was that you getting excited? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, my eyes are so big right now. I am, the amount of serotonin in the last two days is just mad. Oh. Between this and Kenobi and everything else. Well, we just... also got the Andor trailer dropped. Yeah. We got the uh, Jedi Survivor, which is the uh, sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. That trailer just dropped. If you can find the Mando Season 3 trailer, that has leaked. Mm. Uh, and that is pretty cool, especially seeing Bo-Katan again and seeing uh, what they'll be going <laughs> up against. And then on top of that, we've got announcements for two more shows. So... What Yeesh. we've got skeleton crew, and then there's going to be an animated show called what was it Jedi Young Young Jedi? I have to look it back up. <laughs> young Sheldon as Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Please tell me he's not involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's a Star Trek guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Young Jedi Adventures is what it's called. There you mm -hmm. go. And mm -hmm. that'll be set in the High Republic era. I was going to say, is it when Anakin massacres the younglings and stuff? It's a pretty short series. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. And also, Sorry, that's too soon. <laughs> well, I guess there's a lot of timeline stuff we can go over, but I'll, I'll calm down for a half a minute. Well, no, no, I, I, I love it that you're, you're excited about all of this, and you were running down all the different stuff that's happened. Uh, I know several people who are at Star Wars Celebration now, and some of them are actually uh, conducting interviews. Of course, there's uh, Maggie Lovett, who writes for Collider, uh, has been a uh, panelist on this show. I saw where she had been talking to Kathleen Kennedy and um, uh, Diego Luna, and I'm hoping to get some of that stuff. It's like, Maggie, don't <laughs> be stingy with your stuff. <laughs> but uh, And surely a couple other people. I've seen a couple of people who are very sad that they are not at Star Wars Celebration. Um, I'm people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <You> people now. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because um, I'm not I'm not shedding any tears. Hey, I'd love to be there, but I'm not, and it's cool. <laughs> uh, one day, D man. D23, one year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, Camille, I think you are probably, I mean, even though I know Mike is a big Star Wars fan, um, and I'm a Star. We're all we're all Star Wars fans here. <laughs> Although I got to tell you, I think when it comes down to it, I'm probably uh, in terms of my franchises, I'm probably a little more into Star Trek than I am mm. in Star into Star Wars. But since uh, I think you are the most hyped person we have, because there's been a lot of stuff, and between the Ca the Cassie and Andor series trailer that opened up, and of course the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi that dropped, and uh, quiet as it's kept, last week, uh, after the show, uh, Camille told me, she's like, yeah, I'm going to be on the show next week because we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I was like, okay, don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do as I say and nobody gets Grab hurt. Grabbed him by your collar and said, listen, Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, though, and uh, warning, there may be spoilers if you are listening to this show and you haven't watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, the streaming series on Disney+, Plus, uh, then be warned. And in fact, I actually, full, full disclosure, 
I actually just got done watching episode two earlier today. Wasn't sure I was going to watch it. I, you know, there are only six episodes, as I understand it, mm. and I was kind of trying to stretch this stuff out, but... I, frankly, I've been afraid of having these things spoiled for me. Yeah. And, you know, they, it's, it's been borderline. It's different than Marvel. Star Wars fans just don't care, and they put everything out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, very famously, I had uh, Return of the Jedi spoiled for me. Ooh. And yes, yes. I had Mando season really two finale it. spoiled for me um. by Google. Five hours after it came out, I remember oh, I was turning my alarm that. off. Yeah, I'm still salty. I remember. Oh, well, hey, stinks. I'm still salty about the Return of the Jedi thing too. <laughs> There's also a strange, like, I don't know what it is, like a weird convention that happens where, like, movies, for instance, mm-hmm. get respected as far as spoilers are concerned, whereas television, for the most part, people do not care, and <sighs> they just put it out there. Like, I remember that there was a huge reveal with Game of Thrones right around the same time that uh, Avengers Infinity War came out. And everybody was great about making sure the spoilers for Infinity War were kept to themselves. But, like, the same minute that things were happening in, in Game of Thrones, mm. people were putting it online. Yeah. Like, immediately. It was, yeah. There was no hesitation. You just yeah. have to live by the code of never, ever touching social media till you're there. <laughs> and let, or, or altering your Google settings so, you know, articles just don't come directly to your phone. I mean, some, yeah, some, of the streamers, some of the streamers are good. They don't put things out until, like, 3 or 4 in the morning so that, you know, California has a chance. But if they put it on, like, 12 o'clock East Coast time, you're, you're done. Yeah. Well, and beware just logging on to your social media. I mean, you know, yeah. like Camille Thankfully, was saying. a lot of folks do put up, like, multiple, like, images of, like, hey, you know, Kenobi spoilers, next slide, Kenobi spoilers. So it's, like, your own doing if you end up going all the way to that last slide and spoil something for yourself true but, yeah. but you, can't, I, you can't resist though no <laughs> I no you. i mean that's why i like it's like catnip <laughs> it was like for lunch yesterday i was like all right i'm just gonna straight up go watch it i can't sit here and like and and just wonder and wait and and hope i don't find anything out and i just as soon as i finished with episode one i went straight to episode two i couldn't wait and then i rewatched both of them last night there you go so I, she's not I hardcore at all I saw that it was getting dropped early. They were like, oh, it's going to be out at midnight. And I was like, well, nah, I'm kind of tired. And I was like, I'll start it. And I got like into the episode and then like it was over. And I'm like, oh, well, I've already done one. I might as well do two. <laughs> In for I mean, penny. When you think about it that way, it's only about an hour and a half because they're 45 minutes each. So, you know, yeah, exactly. not, not yeah. that hard. And not that big an investment of time. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Camille Richardson and Mike Lunsford. We are talking about... All things Star Wars, uh, surprisingly, although focusing in on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new limited streaming series that just dropped, was it just yesterday? Yeah. That this thing dropped? Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's been a lot longer. I and don't I've got know. lots of questions. Yeah. Well, and be warned, there will be spoilers. One thing that I want to say, particularly after having watched the first episode of Obi-Wan and watching that Cassian Andor trailer. And I've actually started, I'm late to the party, I know, but I've started watching Star Wars Rebels. And the one thing that I want to say is that life under the Galactic Empire is like living in Helltown, people. I mean, this is just, now I gather, maybe if you got money, it's not bad. 
but if you're out on the outer rim or you're just poor or something like that, this has got to be the most horrible existence going. I'm watching this thing and I'm like, this is awful. Oh, I mean, I felt so bad watching this show. And then there's what Kenobi has fallen to. And uh, now I got to say, and I'm going to have to reach out, um, Nino Malong, if you're listening, I, we got to talk because <laughs> Nino is the only person that I know so far who has put out that he doesn't care for this thing. Everybody else is talking about how good it is. Now, I know another person too, and apparently we're fighting. Uh-huh. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> yeah, well, but I thought he kind of—I thought he kind of liked it. Now he didn't like it. I mean, that was the overall. He, he, he's struggling a little with it, but I will say, in that conversation with him, it's mm-hmm. actually brought up a good point that I've had questions about with some of what happened. But um, specifically, well, but you had explanations for all. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess some of the the gripe was that, like, oh, well, he was you know this great Jedi who had. Um, been at the top of the order and one of the few that never would have gone against it for so long how is it that it was so hard for him to use that force in that moment and it's just like yeah but when you cut yourself off from the force you are yeah i I mean this kind of goes into it within like clone wars because you're dealing with masters and 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 padawans and same thing with rebels and kind of learning more about how like the force works uh but when you cut yourself off from the force you have to be open to it you have to be working with it on a regular basis it's not something that's just like straight magic that you can just do in the flick of a wrist and when you're thinking about an entire decade of of obi-wan not having used it in any way shape or form because basically it's going to be a beacon he has to make sure over anything else that he keeps that child safe for so many reasons you know what the fact that it is Anakin's son, the fact that he has so much guilt over what happened mm-hmm. with Anakin, and um, just the the fact that he failed him, or he felt that he failed him. He's carrying, this is a completely broken individual from where we have seen him before. He is not the same individual. I, I think that, uh, for, for me, kind of picked up where Luke was in the last trilogy. That Luke had done kind of the same thing. He was broken, he cut himself off from the Force, he didn't want to feel these things anymore. And Obi-Wan was in the same boat, you know, and he's he's doing it for slightly different reasons. And the only difference would be that the fact that Luke wasn't being hunted. Right. And and Luke is just trying to be away from all of it. Um, I just was surprised that uh, Obi-Wan was using a Groucho nose and glasses to hide among the people in that uh, place, you know. <laughs> just saying. My name is Ben Kenobi. <laughs> I'm not Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I, I, I might have been watching you bet your life before or after I saw Kenobi, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, the one thing that, and, I, and Mike, I'm going to come to you in just a second, but the one thing that I found interesting, and I suspect this is why Nino didn't like it, uh, because it, based on his comment, it seemed like he checked out really early. And I suspect it was that scene with the other rogue Jedi that ran into Obi-Wan in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, master, it's me. And it's, I don't know who you're talking about. My name is Ben. You know, yeah, you want my advice? Bury that thing in the middle of the desert and go underground and don't tell anybody who you are. I mean, he tried to tell him, but I think Nino was like, nah, he wouldn't have sold that as good, but he didn't sell him out. And Obi-Wan yeah. said, we lost. Yeah, you know, he had completely buried himself, and and uh, he Camille. Lost everything. It's like you were yeah. saying though. Everything. His one priority was to protect Luke, mm-hmm. and yep. so he was whatever he had to do. And I I found that to be a particularly powerful scene where he goes to town, and here's that guy strung up. Yeah, and he just kept walking. I'm like, 
Damn. And even Bail Organa is just like, you know, our daughter has been kidnapped. We need your help. Yes, we he's like, find somebody else. <laughs> and he's just like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I mean, a couple of times, Bail is like, we need you. Nope, nope, can't do it. And Sorry. he finally goes to find him. <laughs> the weight yes. on his shoulders is immense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, and, and I, I think it's, it's kind of hard to undersell how alone Ben really is in all this. He's lost everything. He sure and wasn't hearing the, from Qui-Gon. His mentor, the <laughs> yeah, love and of the, his and life, and, yeah. his brothers, Padawan, all of his friends who were murdered by his other friends, who they had worked side by side and fought for years and years, and yeah. to have everything just, everything failed. Everything involved with the Jedi had failed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know we're, I know we're going to find out that that one Inquisitor was one of the younglings that escaped. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, 100 percent. Yes, 100 percent. Yes. Yeah. Hey, everybody is on the same page, but me. Yeah. Hey, but look, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA. FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and among other things, that means that we are non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA or that of our parent organization, ArlingtonMedia.org. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. So we're going to pause momentarily while we acknowledge the contribution of our underwriters and sponsors. We're also going to promote some of the other fine WERA programs that are coming up on this station later tonight. But please stay with us because we have yet to begun to really get into this thing with Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we'll be right back right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum on WERA. 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Camille Richardson, Mike Lunsford, and Drew Bittner. And when we took the break, we were starting to get into some of the nitty-gritty over the streaming series on Disney+. Plus. I should say the new streaming series on Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which actually just dropped yesterday, although it seems as if it has been longer than that. But uh, Mike, you hadn't really had much of a chance to talk as much about your thoughts on this thing. So let's start with you. So I wanted to start with how happy I was with this but for a weird reason. So I'm not actually an Obi-Wan fan as a character. He pisses me off. Um, he, he irritates me because he gets elevated to this status of like, oh, he's the greatest Jedi. He's so wonderful. He's so per- perfect and fantastic. He did everything right. He's not. He's flawed. But that's why he's good. That's why he's a good character. And the issues I had with him, already they're starting to deal with. Because like he basically took this They say, oh, we were brothers. Anakin, you were my brother. But let's be real here for a second, okay? 
Obi-Wan was more of a father figure to Anakin than anything else because of the age difference. And he raised this kid to be this powerful, amazing Jedi, this hero, and then he turned on him. And I guarantee you that there is some guilt that that uh, Obi-Wan is feeling because totally. Obi-Wan never yeah. tried to help him. Like, at the, at the very <laughs> end, he's just like, you're bad. That's it. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, which in itself is an absolute as well. Have fun at and your then barbecue. And he left him to die. <laughs> and he so I guess that other people are going to be like, well, he was bad and he killed all these kids. Yes, he did. You're 100% correct. But there's still guilt. He's still feeling PTSD from watching his brother burn. And he's starting to deal with that. And this is one of the things that I felt was missing in this character. And we're getting to see this. And I think it's fantastic. Yes. And let me tell you, the reveal at the end of episode two, <sighs> when, because I never knew. I never knew for sure if he knew. Right? Yeah. He survived. And when she drops that on him, when Reva's just like, yeah, Lord Vader sent me, and you see that look, I felt that gut punch yeah. that Obi-Wan felt right there. And then she laughs, and she goes, oh, you didn't know. God, she's so good. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's been really well put together. I got to give a giant shout out to Joel Edgerton, who plays Owen, because that <laughs> dude has been playing Owen since the original, or since the prequels. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when he played him in the prequels, he was like, hey, I'm Owen. I'm happy-go-lucky. This is my girlfriend, Beru. We live on a <laughs> desert planet. Now that dude sounds gravelly. He sa- like his vo- He sounds like the original actor who played he does. Mars yeah. from, from episode four. Like, And that line, man, I've heard it before because I saw it in the trailers. But when he delivers that and he looks Obi-Wan in the face <laughs> and he goes just like he trained his dad. And I was just like, oh, snap. Yeah, like, that is one thing that kind of confuses me. After all of what uh, uh, Obi Wan has lost and the amount of guilt that he feels, why is he even yeah. still having any kind of inclination of being like he must be trained? Like why? That 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 is something that's kind of boggling my brain a little. See, for me, that it makes sense because it's that he's still got that leftover heroic sense of duty, which is why even though he knows he doesn't want to and he knows he shouldn't, he still went to go save Leia. Because mm. he because he has to. It's part of who he is. And that's what the um <laughs> With the third a big sister fire was using against him. Yeah. That's what the, <laughs> that's what the Inquisitor was talking about. Yeah. yeah. And and it's, and, uh, it's and the same thing with Luke. it's the same thing with Luke. That's that's all he has left. Yeah. He's lost everything. I think making sure that Luke becomes a Jedi is all he has left. I think it's also that, you know, he knows he he let Anakin down. Yeah. And yes. he's he's committed to the idea that he will not let Luke down in the same way. Yeah. That he has a second chance to do it right with Luke, and he's going to do it right, and Luke will not fall Even if it side. kills him. Even if it kills him. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> but it's interesting yeah, because, it, it, you know, he hasn't used the Force in so long because he doesn't want it to be a beacon. As soon as he does that, they'll figure out where he is and, and what's going on. Now, granted, now we have this weird kind of thought between the Kenobi series Rebels and A New Hope because... We know for a fact that he's using the Force within that time. We know he's working with Qui-Gon in order to become a Force ghost. So we know that he ends up using the Force. So is that like some? Why is that not a beacon to Vader? What what happens within this series that that changes that, or is it something within the training from Qui-Gon that he can almost mask himself? Well, you know that's an interesting question, and I think for an answer we have to look at the Clone Wars episode where Yoda went to that uh, planet and, you the know, he was starting... There you go. He was starting to... Let, because, I, all right, yeah, using the Force 
um, you know, your abilities. All right, yeah, that might be a beacon. But communing with the living force? I don't know. I don't maybe know. Maybe just I, like background noise and yeah. like you wouldn't even hear it because, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. But also I, I think that it may end up being a thing where if someone is powerful enough in the force or in tune enough with the force that it really won't even matter because you, you can't like – it, it, again, it's like background noise. It's like white noise. Like you're so powerful, you're not even meaning to mask yourself, but you are. And like, I, I wanted to thank you for saying it again, Camille, because I had forgotten about that. You had made the point about. Um, oh no, and I just lost it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep talking; they'll come I'll, back I'll, to you. <laughs> I'll, fi- I'll figure it out later. No, there was there was one thing that you had said, um, and I, I can't remember what it is now, but I'll I'll figure it out later. <laughs> the Jedi hunt themselves. <laughs> Oh, well, so cool. actually, Drew, you had started saying something. Uh, basically, that um, yeah, I mean, I think that with with Kenobi, it's cutting himself off. It's also learning how to be under the radar of all these people. But you know, I also think that using the Force, you don't necessarily pinpoint yourself from you know the other side of the galaxy. So, distance, being in the outer rim being so far away from things may have worked to his advantage all this time. Um, the only the only weakness I see here is that now the bad guys know that he's got a connection. He's got somebody somebody knows where he is and they can exploit that. They know he's alive. They know he's alive. Yeah. But they also know that somebody out there they know knows where he is. Like yeah. like the you know, the way they got him. God, ending with that back to scene tank. Oh. Yeah. That was, that was cool. tank scene, excuse me. That was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, the part of what I really liked about this, and in some ways I feel as if I'm looking at some of this with new eyes since I just started watching Star Wars Rebels, and one of the first characters that is introduced is the Grand Inquisitor. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, it makes sense. You've got these Force-sensitive people. And what Obi-Wan explained in Episode 2 about uh, who these people are. Some of them, former Jedi, who have turned to the dark side and who are now helping the Emperor and Vader hunt the Jedi. And Grand Inquisitor was a a former uh, temple guard. Jedi oh, really? Guard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They get into that in uh, Rebels? In Rebels, yeah. Ah, oh. okay. Well, where I was going with this, because I find... And, okay, so... <laughs> follow me here. Because uh, earlier this week, we had the 45th anniversary of the debut of what I knew as Star Wars, the first episode... Uh, sorry, the fourth episode, depending on how you look at episode four, New Hope. And... I knew, well, okay, the first cosplays I did were of Darth Hmm. Vader, but um, my heart was always a rebel heart. And Hmm. with something like this, I mean, particularly looking at rebels and, you know, looking at uh, these lines clearly being drawn. And I said, it's just awful, this existence under under the Empire. But I find the Inquisitors to be particularly objectionable. I mean, oh goodness, you are a force user of some kind. You had been, has anybody turned into the dark side? That's just ill, <laughs> ill. I mean, you know, and, and the way that Yoda described it, quicker, easier, more seductive, I don't see what is possibly seductive about any of this. You get all jacked up, you get 
pallid and messed up. Well, and it's the ones who let their emotions run them too much. The reactivity. Yeah. You can't yeah. you can't em- react yeah. in an emotional manner. There's nothing you're... in real life like that. We don't see people run by their emotions in real life. We don't see people <laughs> given to run uh, by a lust fear, for power. Yeah, <laughs> no, that never that never ever ever happens. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, never that's... seen people compromise their um, their integrity because of what's going on with the regime change. We've that's, never oh, seen that. That's what we call it. Mike, you just it's, had to go there. That's why we call it fantasy. You just had to go there. No, and, and I was I, I probably would have referenced what I consider to be the timeliness of this particular story juxtaposed with what we see taking place in our world today. You know, I mean, and I it, it just goes to show that science fiction fantasy has a valid role in helping to form a discussion and to use this genre as a means of offering some commentary on what we see today in our real lives. Because, yes, Mike, of course you're right. You never see that. I think one of the best (laughs) lines is, you know, rebellions are built on hope. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, the, the amount of things that you can take from Star Wars and apply to real life is just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> beyond real. But, you know, and, and oh, Camille, you had to go there. Rogue One. Because the other line that's, I mean, that's a that's a big one. And, in fact, the knowing looks between Bail Organa and Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, what, what's her face is ta- saying this stuff. But the other thing, um, sorry, um, Jen Erso. So the other line that Jen Erso has, because somebody earlier in the movie, they're talking about, oh, the banner of the Empire. Empire flying, and she's like, "It's not a problem if you don't look up." I'm like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I mean, that one, that one cut me to the quick. I yeah. mean, it was like, "Ooh!" I mean, because again, because the empire is just so objectionable, and we see people, you know, because you got to figure, uh, okay, um, Tarkin, he seemed like a reasonable officer. He oh, was competent, boy. you know. But oh, this guy Wait till you get to bad batch. <laughs> yeah. No, really. Like, I, I, yeah. and, and the starting of the of the phase out of the clone troopers and how they're dealt with, and then mm-hmm. even bringing in the beginnings of the death troopers, yeah. which then also brings oh. it back full circle to Obi Wan and that one moment that I totally lost my mind over is where it's like you know, credits help a veteran get a warm meal, and Dude, I'm like, same. bro. Because that was gut wrenching. Yeah, and he's a five hundred first trooper, so it's like there's no way you don't know who Obi Wan Kenobi is. Like, was your chip removed? Does your chip like no longer work? Are you so deranged from everything that's happened and so riddled with PTSD that like it's not clicking? Like yeah. that scene hit me hard. Mm. Yeah, I kept waiting for him to recognize Obi Wan. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford, Camille Richardson, and Drew Bittner. We've been talking about the new streaming series on Disney+. Plus. Obi-Wan Kenobi, which uh, is playing now against the background of Star Wars Celebration, uh, which is taking place even as we speak. Right this second, there are people having fun out there at Star Wars Celebration. I keep my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I keep waiting for you to have some new update. All right, so um, I want to talk a little bit about, because we're almost out of time, but I want to talk about a little bit about, because, of course, 
we're seeing characters that we've seen in this show, but we're also being introduced to completely new characters. One being the least among them, the third sister, Riva, who is chewing some... Oh, this woman is chewing some scenery. Totally. I'm like, whoa. She's almost stealing the show. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting a spinoff. Well, if she lasts... um, if you ever yeah, want to find no out, doubt. Mo- Moses Ingram <laughs> is the actress's name. Sorry, what was that, Mike? If you have any friends who are Star Wars fans and you ever wanted to check and see if they were really secretly racist, ask them how they feel about Reva. <laughs> right? <laughs> let me tell you what the internet's been doing. Yeah, uh, Twitter's been like run amok on do. it. Oh, dude, but she's yeah. been great, man. She's so I solid. Give me 10 seconds to rant on this, man. I don't know where they found that little girl to play Leia, but good God, she is awesome. Perfection. She's amazing. That, that, is, that, is, that is Carrie Fisher. Like, that is so her. She's <sighs> sassy. She's, like, got an attitude to her. Fire. She's a pain in the ass. Yeah. She's funny. And I was like, this is, this is Princess. This is her. This, yep. It is dead on. I was so impressed. And even like uh, those little moments, the fact that she loved the woods, like it almost brought it full circle of just like why she did so well in Endor. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mike, you're getting ahead of yourself here. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about Reva. And, you know, uh, although I thought it was ingenious of her to use Bail Organa's daughter uh, as right? a means yeah. of drawing Obi Wan Kenobi out. And clearly, yeah. this is somebody who is ambitious and driven and ruthless ruthless. she's got to be one of of those younglings yeah she's got to be and even still because i mean if you look at like jedi fallen order well uh, wait wait and you would mean one of the younglings in the opening sequence of the first episode where you saw the younglings seemingly escape or at least go on the run. But a yeah. lot of the After ones the that end up surviving are, are are barely surviving. Yeah. Like and, and like I remember even with Jedi Fallen Order that that's what it was like. And Cal Kestis was working in a scrapyard and stuff like that. But even Grand Inquisitor is just straight up like, yo, when I found you, you were trash. So who mm. knows what she's gone yeah. through? Who knows if she's got some. I think it's more than just wanting a gold star from from Vader. I think there's something deeper there that maybe she feels that Obi Wan failed her and the younglings and the entire Jedi Order, oh, I would be having been yeah, yeah at the top of it, and then he just disappears. Like, she, I, I could imagine there's a lot of anger going on there. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, he should have the uh, common decency to be killed along with <laughs> you know the other Jedi masters. In fact, you know one of the and this is a complete aside. I want to come back and talk about uh, young Leia and Riva, but the Jedi masters and, and it turns out well, okay, all right. So look, some of them look because you're going up against a Sith Lord. All right, I mean, but Mace Windu was doing pretty good. But those four guys, the other three guys he brought along with them, and one of them, you know, was the uh, the underwater guy. Yeah. Um, Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto, yeah. yeah. Kit Fisto went down like a house of cards. I was that like, was damn, Kit Fisto, you moment. ain't tough. It was, yeah. it was a sad, sad scene. Thank you. It Another was. one, the, the big head guy. Plo Koon? You know? uh, no, no, Mundy, not Plo Koon. Plo Koon. Hi, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He went down really like a punk. I was we like, We saw to Sakura, but when you're completely... S- oh, Plo Koon's is the worst. Well, he was in the ship. They, they blew him up. I don't blame him. I might cry now. I don't blame him, you know? There's a really good meme going around right now that says, like, yeah, everybody talks trash until you see this 
feeble old man that's never done anything before jump out from behind a desk with a lightsaber and do a 980 spin and stab you. Like, that was unexpected. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but again, a Sith Lord, you know, th there you have it. But um, yeah, so this Reva character, I mean, I was, I was so impressed with her. And, um, you know, one of those people that you just, you love to hate, basically. I mean, yeah. she's so such good. a great villain. And now, and it's terrible, because what I want to see is, I want to see Obi-Wan kill her. <laughs> That's what I, I want to see. Well, especially what happened with Grand Inquisitor, mm -hmm. I almost think that... Grandy is going to go and just mess her up. Well, okay, wait a minute. So you, because you, you're one of the more knowledgeable Star Wars fans that I know. He ain't and, dead. Well, thank you. That's what I'm saying. Because it looked for all the world like, that. well, and in fact, what I was thinking was, oh, she kills the Grand Inquisitor and it's like, yeah, you see that lightsaber burn? Obi-Wan did that, you know? <laughs> But, Shanked it. Uh, yeah. But so wh why, how is, how is he's not, well, okay. He's in Rebels. Me. So he, uh, well, unless it's a guy that looks just later. like him, yeah. Yeah. See, right, somebody wait. named the Grand Inquisitor and is in Rebels, and I have a theory. I have a theory that it's a different mm -hmm. Grand Inquisitor. Hmm. And it's either a clone or they have somebody else. Hmm. Interesting. See, I, hmm. we, we've seen what's happened with Fennec Shand and how she was fixed up. We've seen what's yeah. happened, you know, with God, Vader. I mean, Maul got chopped in half. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if that like, doesn't kill you, like, I don't know what like will. Death is a question in Star Wars, you know? It's like comic books. Like, as, they, they come back in some form. As far as we know, Qui-Gon is still out there. <laughs> Dude, well, Qui-Gon's going to show up in this series, and he's going to, because they've already been talking about having to train Obi-Wan to become a Force yeah. ghost. Like, yeah. he's going to have to oh, do yeah. that training. There's no way we're not getting Qui-Gon. Well, it's, it's and, the whole Chekhov gun it. thing. Like, <laughs> and, and he's trying to commune with him in that cave, and he <sighs> says his name, and then we don't see him. So it's, it, it's a Chekhov's gun thing. He said yeah. it in the first act. We're going to see it probably in the second yeah. or third act. Like, yes. it's going to happen. I agree. And we'll see Mace Windu show up as the angry old man in the sewer. <laughs> in <No>. course, <laughs> Hey, Mace is still alive do, somewhere. I don't know if we're going to see him again. But And if I butcher his name, I apologize. But I loved Kumail... Nanjiani. Oh, that yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. He was good. He was so great. He was I hope we get awesome. to see more of him. I love yeah. him. As as Haja and Tree. Right? Well, and, and he turned out to be <laughs> not so bad because I was thinking, well, oh, you're really objectionable. You're preying spoiler. on people. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, scam artist here. But then, you know, when he helped him at the end, yeah. No, but I agree in terms of Qui-Gon because we've already seen Liam Neeson's face a couple of times. So they've written him some checks. And I'm sure that, <laughs> you know, hey, Liam, we'd like to write you another check to show up as a force ghost. Okay. You I can, can say that. I've got a particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I can become a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so look, um, with the last few remaining moments in the show, I want to talk about that little girl who played Leia because that was completely unexpected for me that totally. they would introduce little girl Princess Leia and then she was absolutely wonderful, as everybody said. They couldn't have done it better. Yeah. She's fantastic. She was absolutely fantastic. Perfectly cast, did a great job, and totally captures Leia. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, my goodness. No doubt. And the, and and the way she the lays out her cousin. Between, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the back and forth with her and Obi-Wan was just outstanding. Like, I mean, she's, she's amazingly perceptive, and she's obviously using the Force without realizing it. Yeah. Because she understands people so deeply. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. not a 10-year-old... No. analyzing someone that's that's a lot of it that's a big well she's well already experience. so intelligent yeah. and then as oh, obi-wan yeah. said like yeah. you don't act like you're 10. 
No. And then you were mentioning Yuli in the car ride, just like that moment of when, you know, you just remind me of someone. You know, she was yeah. a leader, and like, mm. oh, that 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 got some tears welling up. And and that's mm, that's indeed. that was important. That was an important piece of dialogue to me because it, I think it's shaping Leah's future. Yeah. You know, she sees that this guy has respect for her mom, for someone he knows, and that means something to her. You know, she understands mm. that she wants to be a leader pretty much from then on, I think. Mm. Vivian Lyra Blair is the name of the actress. Wow. And apparently she is she is actually 10 years old. And uh, she was in Bird Box, which oh. I have not seen, but now I'm sort of interested. And... I really she was another one who was just chewing scenery and it's also so great to see female actresses uh, being given these great roles and uh, being given these parts that allow them to stretch themselves and to further our enjoyment of this universe can I derail hmm? for a second I really really want a Lola Mm. Oh yeah! <laughs> They've already shown it yeah. too. Hasbro's been is going to put one out. Oh my god! <laughs> Guaranteed that's, that's to hilarious. be one of the best-selling toys this Christmas. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, but they, oh, yeah. they they really are just honoring the character immensely right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious if we're going to get a. Um, any Luke interaction because of well, it makes sense that they don't because they've kind of set it up in the story because of the way uh, Owen is protective of him. But yeah. like, I'd still like to see little kid Luke. Too. But he knows well, who he's Uncle been cast. Ben is. They, he's been cast. We saw the kids sitting we, we out there the on the moisture farm. But but the problem is that from early on we didn't have any sense that Luke really knew Obi Wan. That he didn't really know Ben Kenobi. Just knew he, crazy he knew old... of him. Yeah. Don't worry about that. So it makes me wonder if they're going to have some like almost close scenes or almost they like, kind of interact a bit and maybe something interferes. Or you never saw me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that <laughs> would work on him. him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the whole idea, because what was it he said? Yeah, he's kind of a crazy old hermit, lives out beyond, beyond the Dune Sea. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, so you got to figure that Owen was uh, intercepting all of that, and it makes me really curious though with just these two episodes and only six in the limited series where they intend to go with this because uh, the sky's the limit well Mc Mc mcgregor's not only an actor he's an executive, executive producer, producer yeah mm -hmm. and he's already said they he he has ideas for where the second season will go which suggests that he probably knows something about how it's been received and so it will lead into a second season. One thing that's interesting is especially if they're going to keep this line and be true to it from A New Hope and Vader's like, when I left you, I was but the learner and now I am the master. So that implies somewhere along this journey when you left me, I was smoking a lot Yeah, you know, I and and you had mentioned something about that before, and and I'm certainly not going to dismiss anything you say, but we're also running up against that being the very first movie, and there was a whole bunch of stuff that they just honestly didn't know at the time. I mean, and but that were, line has been analyzed for years since Revenge of the Sith and people have yeah. broken it down. There's no way that this hasn't flooded into, yeah. you know, the head people who've been doing these shows and they're not thinking about that. I've, I said a long time ago, and I kind of stand by it, that Star Wars, of all the movies, is now the one that doesn't fit. And oh, yeah. it's the one that could really stand to be re-engineered the most out of all of them because so many things could be made to be part of this now now that they have this whole story 
and it's all part of one story, and this is in the middle of the story, mm-hmm. they could really go back and rework this thing and make it fit, but but they have to redo the whole thing. Hate to have to cut you off, but of course, we are out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my panelists, you two for tuning in. Um, be sure to visit the website at fantasticforum.tv and come back next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a great weekend, people.